On today's show, the Mavericks win streak comes to an end. The Celtics bounce back, and we have some questions about all-star voting first returns. Plus, who doesn't belong? Who do we think will rise? Stick around for our power rankings of title contenders. All of that and a whole lot more on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA. NBA Friday. I'm Wes Goldberg and I'm joined by Tony East. We come to you every Friday here on the Locked On NBA feed. However, you might be tuning in YouTube, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Uh, we'll get to NBA All Star voting, first returns, and power rank the top contenders for the championship in a minute. But let's start with Boston's 124 to 95 win in Dallas. Jason Tatum, 29 points. Luka Doncic had only 23 points, 20 of those in the first half, as he dealt with a chest injury and ankle injury. We'll talk about that here in a second. But uh, the loss ends the Mavericks' seven-game win streak. Meanwhile, the Celtics shot 48.8% overall as a team, one of their best games since cooling off from their hot start to the season. But let's start with the Mavericks, Tony. Should they be concerned that they lost to the Celtics, considering that their seven-game win streak came against both Basically, the Houston Rockets, it was three games against the Rockets, a game against the Spurs, a game against the Knicks, one against the, the Anthony Davis-less uh, Lakers, and then another one against the reeling Minnesota Timberwolves. Not necessarily a murderer's row of opponents. They faced their first good opponent in quite a while, and they get blown out. This game wasn't even competitive. Should that be concerning for the Mavericks? Yes, yes. Look, I have been on the same beat for the Mavs. All season, when we talked about trades, Jake Madison and I on this very podcast, we were talking about which team should most want to make a move this year. And I said the Mavs. Luka can do insane things. 60, 20, and 10 stat lines, 50 all the time. He's so good. He's one of the best players in the NBA. He might be the MVP favorite, and yet they go as he goes. If he has an off night like this against the Celtics, they legitimately have no chance. And they just need... Better players, quite frankly, they can beat up on all the bad teams, although their record against bad teams isn't even that great. Um, but they they have a lot had a lot of trouble at times against these better teams. They have they have some good wins this year, don't get me wrong. Luke is amazing. But I've always felt like they need another guy, and they always have games like this where if he can't have it, they they literally do not have a chance. It's very rare on an off night for him tonight, 23 points on 23 shots, that they can get a win. And this was another example of that. Against the top flight defense in the league, they had no answers all night. Yeah, Boston's defense was working them tonight. Their rotations were crisp, all these things. Quick observation on the Celtics. Robert Williams back with them. Um, he's been sort of on and off since he initially returned from the offseason surgery that he had. Still doesn't look all the way there at Robert Williams' level, total Time Lord stuff, but uh, looked pretty good. Had, got a, had a nice block in the first half. Um, he's starting to get – he's starting to round into, into form for them. Offensively, I thought the Celtics did a great job, but um, really – no reason that the Mavericks should have been that this game should have been early as as early as it was. You got other than the fact that they just couldn't make shots, right? And and look, Luca got hurt and and he just didn't look right the entire game. They ended up using him off the ball quite a bit as a, as a decoy in the third quarter when it was clear that he just he shouldn't have been out there. They ended up yanking him and and then that was it. Early he played just thirty one minutes, which is not a lot for Luca. But going back to his teammates and to your point, Tim Hardaway two of six from three point range. Reggie Bullock missed his only three-point attempt. Christian Wood, 0 of 2, 12 points overall, went 5 of 12 overall. He was probably the best non-Luka player. Spencer Dinwiddie, 
went two for six from three-point range. Uh, the bench made uh, no three-pointers outside of Jaden Hardy, who is a rookie. He went three for three. I really like Jaden Hardy's side. Just His second him. half was um, awesome. 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 Uh, but besides Jaden Hardy in the second half, not a single player off the bench made a three-pointer for the Mavericks. That is the recipe, right? Like, it's either Luka has an awesome game or and just triple-doubles 60 points his way into a Mavericks win or or and or his teammates make shots. The Mavericks got neither of those today. So I won't overreact too much to this loss for Dallas because it was just sort of all like a perfect storm of bad things happening for them. Um, but I also wasn't overreacting to the seven-game win streak, if that makes sense, based on the level of competition. Um, I, I think that ultimately the Mavericks are a playoff team. They're pretty good. And we kind of know, regardless of the seven-game win streak of the loss tonight, what their deal is. And you pointed it out. Either when, they're when the teammates make shots, it's great. Otherwise, there's still just this gaping void of not having the support that Luka needs to have. Yeah, even if Luka was awesome, the, his, the other guys were not – like you just pointed out, good enough in this game. Like, they had two guys in the rotation shoot above 42% in this game. Like, you'll never win when that happens. And one was Hardy, who's a rookie, and one was Dwight Powell, who yeah. very much reliant on other creators. So, yeah, they, they they go as Luka goes, and he sets up those guys for success really well. If they can't make the shots, they can't make the shots. And credit the Celtics, man. Their defense is always really good. They were moving it pretty well in this game, nearly 30 assists. They shot it pretty well. They got to the line a bunch. Like, they just kind of played like the Celtics that were – really good early in the season, right? They were the best yep. offense in the league by a mile really early in the year. That kind of faded away. Their defense is still really good, and they looked they looked a part of a, of a contender in this one. Yeah, I know. I just said, like, the Mavericks was a perfect storm for them, but also Jason Tatum could have played a lot better. He had the uh, 29 points, which was a game high, but he only went 8 for 22, and I actually thought a lot of the looks were pretty good, and he missed a bunch of the ones that he usually makes. The one thing about Tatum, just sort of zooming out a little bit, that I really enjoy about his game that I was watching tonight is not just the off-ball movement and the screening that he does to help set up teammates, but his, his perseverance to get to the basket in an NBA that loves the the mid-range game, and it's specifically floaters now. People love floaters, especially against like drop coverage and stuff like that. That that shot is open, and scorers have been sort of taught to go ahead and, and, and master that floater in the offseason and use it during the regular season. Tatum's like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to use my length. I'm going to use my strength and athleticism to burrow my way to the basket, and there was a number of times where he did that I ended up looking up the stat just because I was curious. He's getting to the rim a lot more this year. He got to the rim. 37% of his shots last year came at the basket. 41% of them are coming at the basket this year. That's a big That's a big leap, four percentage points. So um, love what I'm seeing from Tatum. And if he's getting it going like that, and then you start getting the points from Jalen Brown and the rest of these guys, and they're making shots like that. I was never really, really worried about Boston's offense. Were you in that December lull that they had? No, I mean they're just they're too good, right? Like, and with Tatum getting all the way to the rim, it, their floor is always really high. Not only is he not taking worse shots, but you know, in this game, ten assists, right? The passes are easier when the defense bends. When you do things like that, it kind of ignites what they do. He had a triple double, and we're picking him apart for for how he played in a thirty he a point win. He did. I didn't even realize he had the the fourteen rebounds there. Yeah, he had a triple double. Uh, <laughs> Could have done better, Tatum. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> And he only played what thirty five minutes. I, yeah. I think he played he played some of that uh, most of that second half. Anyway, um, I wanted to, one quick point on the Mavericks too because we like the we like the drama in these parts. Um, I know a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff is like, oh well, you shouldn't have let Brunson go and all that stuff. I like Jalen Brunson. Obviously, the Mavericks would be a lot better than Jalen Brunson. I think we're starting to spin this too far 
in the direction of Jalen Brunson was the guy next to Luca, and you let him go. Letting him walk away for nothing is is bad. But also, like, it kind of felt like this last year for the Mavericks, didn't it? It was sort of like Luca and then teammates uh, making shots, and that was still the same with Jalen Brunson. He had that great playoff series and and, and saved them when Luca wasn't in there, and that was important. But I think it also sort of created this narrative around Brunson and, and the Mavericks like that he was some sort of perfect co-star next to Luca. Obviously they'd be better with Brunson. He's a good player. You don't want to lose good players for an, and get nothing back. But this idea that he was the perfect co-star next to Luca, I think that's gotten a little out of hand. Yeah. The perception of him changed when he played well in the playoffs, but Luca wasn't playing. And right. now how he's playing with the Knicks, which how he plays without Luca and how he plays on a team without Luca shouldn't, matter to his fit with Luca, if that makes any sense. And he's done well in those roles. Like you said, he's a good player. You would rather have him than not. But yeah, like I think everybody knows the the co-star next to Luca should be a forward or a big man, right? Like it, it, yeah. it seems clear to me at least that that should be the case. So yeah, I, I agree with you that it's a little, and I, I kind of thought when I saw the number on that contract at first that you know, I was like, that's a little high. He's certainly earned it. He's been awesome this year, but um, yeah, yeah it, it, the card is definitely far ahead of the horse on that now. Um, should mention no Dorian Finney-Smith, no Maxi Cleaver for for another many May games. It's been now for Dallas, but uh, reporting today on the broadcast, the Cleaver might not be back until after the All Star break. That wow, that's a long time. So, um, and they really they really miss those guys and their length and their activity against the Celtics team that is active and switches everything's and all those things. So, we're not even we know that the Mavericks need help, but I also feel like we're not getting a, a fully accurate read of what it is that they are until this team is healthy. That said. They still need a co-star, but there have been many podcasts already done about that. You watched Lowry Markkinen, speaking of stars, score 49 points. I didn't get a chance to watch that one because I was busy with Boston Dallas. Uh, what was your takeaway from Markkinen in that 49-point night he had? Uh, my takeaway is that as, as the way the NBA trends these days, 49 points is nothing, man. you got to get to 50 to, to get a mention these days. It's crazy how high the scoring is. Uh, credit credit to the, the Rockets for a tiny bit here. The, the Jazz were clearly trying to get Markin into 50 down the stretch, and the Rockets were not letting him have it on that last possession. He missed a three that would have gotten to 52. But the actual takeaway to me is he has become like a three-level score. When did Lowry Markin become a three-level score? Not that it's surprising he was good for the Cavs last year, but the shooting has always been the thing that's referred to with him. Like He can put yeah. it on the floor and make middies. He can get all the way to the rim and hit layups. Like He is a threatening player from everywhere on the floor and that's what really stood out to me. look the Rockets defense is what it is but 27 shot attempts he goes uh, I got to do some quick math nine for 12 on twos in this game he had six threes 13 free throws like he was doing it from all over the floor no one thought Larry Markkinen could do that even two seasons ago that's what stands out about him going crazy in this game and look I get it again it's the Rockets but the Jazz especially when Conley plays they're a good team and Markkinen is a big reason why um I they they've they're using him like a cool little chess piece, right? Like he's turned himself into, he kind of looks like a chess piece now that I'm saying it, but uh, <laughs> they, they, they're they using him in these like really cool ways where they'll have him like come up off a, off a screen and either kind of spot up obviously off the screen for the, for the three pointer or like to your point, now that he's sort of this three level scorer and you, you trust him to put the ball down and get to the basket. He'll sometimes, he'll sometimes like sneak by the defense and, and fool him. They think that they're, he's obviously going to spot up for the three because that's been the scouting report on him forever. And then he'll just put the ball down and he'll just get a wide open layup or a little midi thing. Um, cool little chess piece. Larry Markkinen, the chess piece. That was that was the best 
I don't even know what to call it. It's not an insult. That was just the best. <laughs> yeah, he was really good. No one else on the Jazz really had to do all that much. Like no one else even reached twenty points. Malik Beasley and Jordan Clarkson did did some stuff, but Markin was just so good. It didn't matter. Uh, credit to them. And I don't. I'm out of Might. stuff to say about the Rockets that that, that kind of hasn't already been said. Like Eric yeah. Gordon said it right. Where where is the development at this stage? Like these guys are good somebody young save, players. Somebody save Eric Gordon. He does. He's he's paid his dues, man. I'm all for veterans to paying the dues, shepherding the young guys early in their careers. He's done it for a couple of years now. Indiana native needs needs a new home. Eric Gordon, get him out of there. Yeah, uh, look, they they will get better. The Rockets will definitely get better, but it feels like a lot of their games are the same. Everything that's yep. been said yep. about their disconnection in defense has been said. We're getting to the point in the year where I'm I'm starting to 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 cut teams off of my watch list, and the Rockets are. <laughs> Or high up on that list uh, when I when I start doing that. Um, back to Larry Markkinen. He garnered a whole bunch of all-star votes. He could be an all-star this season. There were a ton of surprises on the first returns of all-star voting. But we'll tell you which players were the biggest snubs and some other takeaways next. But first, uh, today's episode of Locked on NBA is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Like hiring a great producer for your podcast or the assistant who makes your day-to-day that much easier. There's nothing like making the perfect hire to help your business. That's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which makes it incredibly easy to create a free job post. Plus, you can add your job post in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions makes it easy to focus on just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. So if you want to get your year started right with the right kind of help, LinkedIn jobs can help you end or start the year on the right foot. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedinjobs.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks again for making Lockdown NBA your first listen every day. Um, all-star voting first returns. A great way for the NBA to piss a whole b- bunch of people off on a random <laughs> Thursday, isn't it? Um, <laughs> let's get into this. We're going to do our biggest uh, surprise appearance, our surprise absence, and the player we think is most likely to rise between first return and second uh, return. These are the fan votes for those who are not aware. These are just the fan votes based on the first round of voting. It also sort of serves as your reminder that, hey, all-star voting is – currently happening so that's the other part of this this is when the nba sort of starts kicking the marketing on all-star voting into high gear um and so i think a lot of things do tend to change between first returns and second and third and and final but uh at least it's a good benchmark for us to get started your surprise appearance tony this is the worst day of the year because it's the day i'm reminded the nba fans don't know that New York, san francisco and la are big cities with lots of people and they always are so surprised (laughs) at these players being popular amongst fans. That said, uh, on a pure talent perspective, some stunners, some absolute stunners uh, on the voting list. If I had to pick my most surprising uh, addition to the list, 
I'd probably say Kevon Looney. Not that Kevon Looney's not good. Uh, he's exactly what the Warriors need him to be at center. He just hit a game winner last week, right? He uh, he plays every game. He's a great screener. He's a great rebounder. Uh, he's not one of the 10 best front court players in the Western Conference. And again, San Francisco's got a lot of people. The Bay Area loves them some Kevon Looney, as you know, yeah. since you covered the Warriors for a while. But I think, you know, like... Like some of the other guys that are on there, like, come on, you know, like you get why they're popular amongst their fan base or amongst fans like, you know, Reeves and Derrick Rose and Nick Claxton yeah. and such. Come on, Looney. I'm kind of like, OK, <laughs> come on. I don't know. The, the Warriors fans have a way of just um, mobilizing behind a player. And and last year was Andrew Wiggins, who, by the way, is fifth in the front court in the Western Conference. If he ends up being another a, a starter in the West again, there needs to be an investigation into this BTS stuff that that's getting him voted on because that stuff's legit um i don't know if looney has any bts has anything to do with kavon looney but i'm not even entirely sure what bts is but um kavon looney it is surprising but it's also not surprising given what i just said like warriors fans can mobilize around their dude and and so i don't i'm not surprised by any warrior player like if dante divincenzo was on this i'd be like yeah all right whatever warriors fans are gonna vote for the guys uh, Jordan Poole is 10th among guards and Warriors fans don't even like Jordan Poole this year. <laughs> and so I, I don't really like it's, it is just what it is. Um, Derek Rose is on here every single year. He is one of the most beloved players for some, he, he gets more votes than he gets seconds of playing time at this point in his career. So he's just always going to be on there. Uh, Austin Reeves just, you know, Hey, congratulations. You won the annual Alex Caruso for random white Laker that makes gets on the top 10 all-star list here. Um, Kyle Kuzma, seventh in the front court in the East. But I don't think like, Kyle Kuzma is more influencer than basketball player at this point. He's got like the whole social media web supporting him. So good for you, Kuzma. Uh, I'm actually going to go with a guy who made the all-star game last year. LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball, seventh among guards garnering more votes than Tyrese Halliburton and Darius Garland, who are vastly superior players to LaMelo. LaMelo's played only 15 games in this sort of stop-and-start season for him in Charlotte. I don't know that there's Hornets fans that exist currently, so I don't even know where these votes are coming from. The fact that LaMelo Ball is seventh right now among the guards in the Eastern Conference, that to me was my biggest surprise. Yeah, like the Ball family gets a vote, but I would have expected Lonzo to be the one getting <laughs> right. the Ball family voting bump. He's in a big market even. But LaMelo on here in seventh, I get it, why he's popular, and he was an all-star last year. He is good, but yes, yeah. I agree that that he is. He play barely played. Yeah, he's barely um, played. That's a ridiculous placement. Surprising absence. There's so many to get to, but what's like the biggest surprise absence? I might be biased from covering this man for a long time here in Indiana. DeMontis Sabonis. Where yeah. is DeMontis Sabonis? My gosh, has he been good for the Kings this year? Also, no Kings at all. Kings fans. Let's get some voting going. Fox has been excellent. Some beam well. team, huh? Yeah, some beam team. The beam, yeah. the beam team. Light the beam and send some votes up on that thing. Yeah, look, <laughs> Sabonis, I would have over... Several guys I was going to ask you that. Where would you put him in the front court? If it's up to you, LeBron. We should we should mention for the listeners. We didn't even do this malpractice on our part. Uh, <laughs> LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis are your top three front court guys in the West. Um, top two guards in the West: Steph and, and Luca. That makes sense. John Morant is third. SGA is fourth. Um, Zion Williamson's the fourth front court guy in the Western Conference. In the Eastern Conference, the front court is led by Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Joel Embiid, with Tatum in fourth. And then guards are Kyrie Irving and Donovan Mitchell. They would be the starting backcourt. James Harden, Jalen Brown, right beneath them. So where would you put Sabonis in the front court in the West? 
Yeah, it's it's tough because like I would put him above Wiggins, who's fifth, but I wouldn't put him fifth necessarily because there's other guys behind Wiggins that I would move Good up point. above him. Yeah. So that's confusing and a waste of time. But in that five, six, seven range, like with your PG, yeah. with other front court guys, like that's where I think he should be. I don't think he should be a starter, which is what the voting is about. But I think he should be in the mix, in the conversation where he finishes in the top five, six, seven in the Agreed. West. To so not be on there at all was very surprising to me. And Darren Fox not getting any love from the, I thought like that was, yeah, that was that's the guy for Sacramento. If they're going to rally behind anybody, I thought it was going to be Darren Fox. They've traded how many? They've traded or not taken so many guards because they love Darren Fox. So. um yeah, that was to me. It's Beam and Bam. That's kind of where I'm at. No Bam out of bio in the front court. Yep. Um, that's unbelievable. He has been awesome by every stretch of the magic. Like 21 plus points per game, nearly 10 rebounds per game, three and a half assists per game, playing all world defense as he always does. I, I don't know that he, he's played. He's what the third best center in the league right now, between uh, behind Jokic and Bead, and then Bam, and then probably Sabonis right behind Bam depending on what you consider Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis is hurt. So whatever um, he's right there. So for him to not be in the top 10 in voting, like I like Nick Claxton. I like Jared Allen. Bam's way better than those guys. So the heat fans time to rally. We're actually doing something on locked on heat. We're calling it bam the vote. So time to bam the vote. Get the wrong back. wizards big is on here. Uh, Porzingis yeah. has been actually really good this year. Like good. I get that Kuzma's popular. Like you said, but Porzingis is like, killing it on defense this year like you just said with bam and is shooting efficient like i thought porzingis would make this for sure because yeah. he is popular too he wasn't all and he's got and you always get the european votes too they usually come yeah. in and, and they're not helping him um yeah somebody help kp uh most likely to rise let's be quick with this one what do you got oh that is a good question i didn't come prepared enough dame always I has got one a stretch where he looks like the best player on the planet so i i guess i'll go with dame he's seventh in in the west i think he's been better yeah uh than that so dame for me I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Jason Tatum, the only because not necessarily because he deserves to be over Embiid, Giannis, or Kevin Durant. He's been awesome, but he's been sort of right there. You could put any of those guys in any order. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, Durant probably needs to be number one, but uh, already the Boston Celtics media propaganda machine coming in support of Jason Tatum right away the afternoon of the first returns. Boston Celtics reporters, people with what do you think? And Tatum being like, I got some work to do, blah, 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 to get up there and be a starter. The propaganda machine that got Marcus Smart, uh, a Defensive Player of the Year award last year, is coming in full force for Tatum. I never doubt the strength of the Boston Celtics propaganda machine. I am telling you, Tony, I, I'm going to guarantee it. Jason Tatum is going to be a starter in the All-Star game. Wow. Whose place does he take? I don't know. Does he deserve it? Debatable. But I know it's going to happen. I'm glad all-star starting numbers aren't tracked because one of Giannis, Embiid, uh, uh, Tatum, and Kevin Durant is not going to start just because of how this works, and that's insane because of how the season is gone. Can't we make like one of them a backcourt player? I'm good with it. And then just Do make positions Donovan matter in a, in a game where people are walking up and down the floor the whole time? Like, the answer to that is no, Tony, and you know that. Uh, <laughs> I understand that that was hypothetical. but um, All right. Our contender rankings, we're calling them the BCS rankings, um, what the numbers tell us about who the top title contenders might be could surprise you. But first, today's episode of Lockdown NBA is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season. 
the basketball. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to your betting information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. It's BetOnline where the game starts. All right, it's Friday, which means we are counting down to the weekend. And now we're going to go into our BCS rankings. BCS rankings, you might be wondering. That's a college football thing that we did 10 years ago. This doesn't make sense. It's BCS stands for Basketball Contender. No, Basketball Championship Series. Nailed it. Basketball Championship Series. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to use a BCSL formula that takes into account win percentage, point differential, offensive rating, defensive rating, uh, how you've performed over the last 10 games. It's a very complicated formula um, that we have calculated here to give you our BCS-style rankings, our Basketball Championship Series. Here's the catch. We're only ranking the team's that are actual contenders. So none of this fun, like, hey, the Utah Jazz got out to the 10 and 2 start or whatever. Like, where do they stand in the power rankings? No, they don't count in the power rankings because they're not winning the championship. They're like a mid-major team that has no chance. We're talking about the, the power five conferences. We're talking about the SEC of basketball, NBA teams. That's what we're doing. Um, I'm gonna give you just the uh, I think I've got nine here. I'm gonna give you the top nine, Tony, just in order, right? So, starting at number one, the Boston Celtics. Shouldn't be too much of a surprise despite the December slump, but the BCS ranking formula loves them. They're they're easily number one by about four points, which, based on this model, you guys don't know how big of a deal it is. That's a pretty sizable gap. So, Cleveland is number two. Cleveland is number two. Woo! This is the team with the best defense in the NBA. Their offense is staying afloat at around league average. They've been awesome, winning 70% of their last 10 games. Their point differential is second only to the Boston Celtics. They've won 64% of their games, and Boston and Cleveland are far and away the leaders in our number, are their number one and number two in our BCS rankings. So we've got Boston, we've got Cleveland. Brooklyn comes in wow. at number three. Brooklyn hold, comes hold in on. at number three. Can we? Go ahead. Can we make um, silly sponsored bowl games for this yes. as well? So it's, it's going to be um, Cavalier Celtics in the in the Cheez It Rose Bowl or something like that in the first round of the playoffs. Is what What's something that Boston and Cleveland has in common? Like history statues. Like they have the both cities have statues. <laughs> Statue bowl. That's the like, first thing that came to your mind. Aren't they both on water? Isn't that cooler? There's a lot of cities on water. <laughs> Call it the Water Bowl, like the H two O Bowl game. Is there a good water? Dasani, the Dasani Water Bowl. There we go. The Dasani, the Water Bowl, brought to you by Dasani. Um, that was my really bad limited Boston accent. Um, <laughs> Brooklyn is in at number three. The darlings of the league right now: Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. I know they just lost a, their a game against Chicago, but they were on a twelve-game win streak. The offense is bananas. The defense is doing just enough. Brooklyn, I actually thought might be number one based on all the numbers, but um, they come in here at number three. Memphis comes in here at number nice. four, uh, which I have no debate with. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. tonight, 31 points. John Morant, 32 points. That was the most points Jaron Jackson has scored in three years. Wow. Um, since, well, three years? twenty, Yeah, 2020. July of 2020, almost three years. What's so, the? Uh, uh, is there a best defensive player award in college football? KD wins the Heisman. And then uh, JJJ comes in. What's it? The Bal the Balentikov like or something the, like the, that? The Butkus Award or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. 
They're, what Memphis and Brooklyn got to have something in common. <laughs> I'm just going to embarrass myself. They're playing in the Mayo Bowl for, for the other spot in the title game. The Mayo Bowl. Uh, coming in next, Philadelphia. They have uh, an awesome defense. Their offense is, again, just doing its thing. Um, their point differential at 3.9. Philadelphia, to me, is the biggest surprise so far. They're, but they're outscoring Agreed. teams by 3.9 points per game on average. They're winning 62% of their games. They're kind of just rolling. The Joel Embiid-James Harden pick-and-roll combination is as advertised. It, it, it's gotten there. It's a little bit U-turn-my-turn turn still there. Doc is, is staggering those two quite a bit, but they're getting contributions. Tyrese Maxey is back, had his first big game since returning from injury the other night. Uh, Philadelphia being here, I don't have a problem with it, and I kind of like the Sixers, Tony. Yeah, look, Embiid might be my MVP right now. I don't know. I just gave Kevin Durant the Heisman, so maybe that's ridiculous. But uh, look, like... Don just went on that insane stretch right after Christmas at the end of December and beat outscored Luca in December. Like he's been killing it offensively recently. And he's one of the best defensive players in the league. Like he is balling this year. He's been a big reason for their turnaround as they figured out how to balance the Harden and beat stuff more in Embiid's favor. Yeah. He's been great. And as long as he's great, they're a good team and they just beat. I just watched them beat the Pacers without him because Harden can also step up when they need him to. Yeah. They're a very threatening team. Yeah, and I like the P.J. Tucker at center looks that they've been going to yep. more. kind of solves their backup center issues that have been dogging them for the last couple of years, especially this year, before they kind of got to that look as consistently. But um, how many points does Joel Embiid have to score for you to actually notice it? <laughs> a lot. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I feel like, like he, scores 42, he scores like 42. He, he puts up like 42, 14, and 5 like every night. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. whatever. Just another Joel Embiid And his free throw rate's down this year. He's actually yeah. like putting the ball in the hoop and live play a lot. Yeah, a lot of off the dribble stuff for him. Um, yeah. Coming in next, I don't know if I said this one already. The New Orleans Pelicans um, outscoring Ooh. teams by 4.7 points per game, winning 63% of their games. Their offense is very good. Their defense is very good. The Pelicans have been very good all season long. The biggest problem with them is that they, they're they going to lose Zion for a few weeks here. Brandt Ingram, kind of mysterious toe injury thing. What's going on with that? They've been dealing with injuries, but I almost think that like helps their case because they just keep winning games and chugging along despite all the injuries that they've been doing. They're a deep... I think they might be the deepest team in the NBA. Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans has said that quite a few times, I think correctly, and Pell Sixers in the... Um... The Scholastic History Bowl. I what's the? I can't think of a textbook company. What is that, like reading the the reading. What's what's that thing in Philadelphia in Pennsylvania? Um, <laughs> but that would be a fun one. And look, what? Yeah, like they've barely had Ingram, Zion, and CJ all together at the same time, and they're still yeah. near the top of the West. They're great. Last ones here. And these are the surprising ones: Milwaukee and Denver. Milwaukee yeah, I and Denver. Haven't said the Bucks yet. Yeah, at the at, at the lower end of our BCS rankings, Milwaukee. They've won uh, nearly sixty six percent of their games. Their point differential has not been great. It hasn't been great. Their offense cannot get out of the mud. I know that Chris Middleton has been dealing with the injuries. Now Drew Holiday has been out for a few games. Giannis is playing at an MVP level, but it it's only helped them win games. It hasn't really both like helped their offense, if that makes sense. Like their offense is still one of the worst six or seven offenses in the league by offensive rating. Their defense is still really good. They'll they'll go on like kind of three, four game win streaks here and there. Um, they're doing enough to win games. They're at the top of the East, and I still fear them as a title contender. That's why they're on this list. But the numbers don't really back up Milwaukee's case. They're one of the teams, as with Denver, that the eye test is so much better 
And it's ultimately why we end up going to a college football playoff bowl committee format, I suppose, or teams like Milwaukee and Denver. But the numbers don't help them. Denver, same thing. Like their point differential is basically just it's a hair less than two points per game that they're beating teams by. Their offense is really good. Their defense is really bad. They're sort of the flip, the the the, the funhouse mirror version of the of the, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they recently went on a long win streak, but um, yeah, I just the numbers don't help them. But the eye test bears it out. They're they're led by two MVP, bona fide MVP candidates. Might be the two best players in the sport right now, and Giannis and Jokic. Um, but they need help. How far we've come that the Bucks and Nuggets are clamoring for the playoffs to expand in the BCS format. <laughs> Just so the Beefo Brady able. Bowl, the Beefo Brady Bowl in St. Petersburg, Florida. There, That's dude, there's too many bowl games. Like I don't even watch college football, but I see some of the names pop up sometimes. <laughs> Who's playing? I thought the Bucks were going to be in your top five, certainly, and I know that they they. They would be in my top five as a bowl committee member. They would have been in my top five. <laughs> but the, the, ma- the, the math doesn't help them. They st- what they start nine and zero or something. They've been like, you know, not 500, but not too far from 500 since no. their undefeated start. They haven't been playing that well. So I guess it's not that surprising, but Middleton's been out. I give them some grace because they've won a title and the nuggets are, they could beat anybody any night, but they're, they're one of the more inconsistent contenders, I would say. So I'm not that surprised to see them this slow, even though Jokic is amazing. I still like them the best in the West, the Denver Nuggets. Really? And Adam yeah. and I talk about this a lot. I like them the best in the West. Um, they they have the best player in, in Nikola Jokic. Um, I really love Memphis. I love New Orleans. Golden State is sort of on my knocking on the door there, but I got to see them win a game on the road like once before I put them in there. <laughs> so um, is my favorite in the West not even going to make the BCS list? F- finish this. F- give me team nine. That was it. That's the end. Who's I thought favorite? you had nine for some reason. That is uh, maybe I because I think I said nine. I don't know. Um, so I've got three teams that are knocking on the door, sort of on the bubble: Dallas, Golden State, and the L.A. Clippers. Those are the teams that are are knocking on the door. But the Clippers don't have a mathematical case. But we all believe that that's mostly because they've been playing without Kawhi and Paul George. It feels like they're rounding into form here. I am we all who believes in the Clippers. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh, no, their numbers since uh, Kawhi got back more regularly. Have actually been pretty good. So if if their last ten, their the numbers in the last ten games are actually better for them. But I, the last I checked, they were getting blown out by the Denver Nuggets tonight. So that's not going to help their case. Well, um, the, the stunner here then is the Suns. I don't think the Suns are contenders, but where are they? Have they fallen off completely to you? They are not even knocking on the door. I got to see them healthy. I don't know what to make of the Suns right now. They're like knocking on the door to get into the waiting room to knock on the door <laughs> to get into the BCS rankings. That's where that's where the Phoenix Suns. Out of context, that sentence from this podcast will confuse several people. Uh, but yeah, they, they have social media clip. people clip that one, send it out. The the Suns have only two, only one team in the West has a worse record in the last ten games than the Phoenix Suns. Right, they are not playing well at all right now. Three wins in their last ten games yeah. in the play-in, one loss, and they're in the nine ten play. Like they are, they are not sitting pretty right now. So I can hear. Certain fan bases screaming, why isn't my team in your stupid made-up BCS rankings? Knicks fans, you're the sixth seed in the East. Why are you not in it? Uh, because you're the Knicks and you're not winning the championship. That's why. That's the whole point of this. If you don't have an actual shot at winning the championship, you don't even qualify. You are just automatically eliminated. Maybe it's an eye test thing. Maybe it's subjective. It's also true. The Knicks are not winning the championship this year. We all know this. Um, Raptors fans, sorry, you're not in it. Uh, you're not winning the championship this year. Portland, you're not in it. You're not winning the championship this year. Sacramento, the fifth seed in the Western Conference, above the Clippers, above the Suns, above the Warriors. 
Why are they not in it? Because the Kings are not winning the championship this year. So you are automatically disqualified. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. I love the Sacramento Kings. I love watching the Sacramento Kings. I stay up late to watch the beam team. But we all understand that they're not winning the championship this year. So they're disqualified. Look, you got to learn about odds and hedging. Like you can say one or two teams and feel good about that. But that was like a sixth of the league. My goodness. <laughs> Who else doesn't win the championship? Spurs, <laughs> you're out of here. Oh, we already established that. Um, all right. <laughs> that will do it. For today's Locked On NBA, uh, thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on the Locked On NBA podcast feed. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Tony, thanks for joining me. Of course, great time. Everybody have a great Great weekend, Jackson Gatlin. We'll get you on this feed on Monday with the latest from around the league with our local experts here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.